Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Hey everybody, welcome to Industry Seating. It's Sunday. We just had WW Ranch yesterday. Pretty good racing, right? Kind of felt like normal summer Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. Hot temperatures, rough racetrack, where a lot of these races have kind of been different. You know, the, the timing, we saw that fall weather at Spring Creek and the turning leaves in the background which is awesome. I think that's been a really cool change of all the crappy things that have gone on in 2020. That's been a, one of the highlights for me is just a, a bit of racing at a different time. It almost has felt like what motocross of nations is where you fly over to Europe and they are well into the fall by then, you know, late September, early October. That's kind of what spring Creek was, but Florida was much more like summer and they got a little bit unlucky because it had been pretty cool. Uh, say, you know, low 80s early in the week, and then it ramped right back up close to 90 on Saturday. And, and we really saw some guys suffering. We saw a true fitness test, which we thought we might, you know, late in the week. I was kind of on the, this will be a little bit easier than last year train, but it ended up being tough. And if you went back and looked at the results from 2019, they were very similar to what happened in 2020. And that's typically what happens when the conditions are very difficult. It really does start to weed out the guys that are a little bit less prepared or, or maybe just don't deal with adverse conditions as well. And the guys that are, are on the best bikes and on the best training programs and take it the most seriously during the week, they, they tend to rise on days like that. And that's exactly what we saw. But before we get too far into that, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Blenzel Oils, Work Connection, Plum Creek Funding, Premier Vapor Blasting, Pro Glow, Fast Foundry, 612 Suspension, and Fly Racing. Thank you to all of them, and I'll get into those guys a little bit more in depth in a little bit, but let's jump right into the 250 class. I have some notes here, some key points that will keep this podcast a little bit on track. I, start, I have a uh, Ferrandez starting this off, obviously with his win, he should, right? What a day for him. And we've been in this kind of back and forth where J-Mart had the momentum and then Ferrandez kind of got the momentum. And it seems like it's Ferrandez's time again. And I'll be honest, I felt the whole time like Ferrandez is the best rider. You know, the only reason Ferrandez wasn't winning races was because Ferrandez was making mistakes. You know, he was doing it to himself. Having bad, he was getting bad starts, like we saw at Ironman, where he crashes in the first corner. He gets more bad starts again, and at Redbud, puts himself in a bad spot, crashes mid-pack, and then hurts uh, hurts his shoulder in the process. Which we, I think, that's still bothering him a little bit. 
But really, when everything is equal and those guys all start together, he's proven time and time again that he is the fastest guy, and he certainly displayed that on Saturday. So his points lead jumped up. He's got a 13-point lead now, and he's doing really everything that we've said he needed to do the whole time. I don't think that anybody, especially early in the season, had any doubt that this was Dylan Ferranis' championship to lose. And he's kind of proving that now. It's been much more dramatic than I think he would appreciate. But for entertainment value, it's been pretty great. Now, if you want to write the script for it and want to make it WWE style, you need him to have a tougher race at Colorado and set up for a, a you know a really nice points battle going into Paula. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I believe that Dylan Ferranis's engine advantage, which I make make no mistake, Monster Star Yamaha has an engine advantage. I think all of you listening know that. You know, we in the media have made that pretty clear. And if you just are watching the races, it's painfully obvious on the starts. But what's going to happen is they're going to roll into Colorado and we're going to go to 5,000 plus feet of elevation. And that advantage is only going to increase. They're going to have even more of an edge when we go to that elevation. So what I expect is I expect to see a bunch of monster star Yamahas rounding the first corner together, just climbing up that hill together. And then Dylan Ferrandis will just separate himself. Now, Justin Cooper's been better, and Justin Cooper was pretty good at this track last year, so maybe he gets into the mix. But I think Dylan Ferrandis will ride away with the Colorado win fairly easily. First, because he's the, the best rider. And then second, I think his bike will pull him to a good start. And then third, his bike on the track will be an advantage as well. So it's really shaping up nicely for Ferrandis. Keep in mind, the final round at Paula is a track that they ride week in and week out. That is the primary practicing track for the Monster Star Yamaha team. They all ride together throughout the week at Paula. So when you look at those two rounds that are left, and I've I've been preaching this down the stretch that Jeremy Martin really needed to go into these last two rounds with a points lead. Well, it's exactly gone the opposite way, right? Ferrandis has made his strength known, or I guess his prowess, and just reasserted himself. He he's really taken the bull by the horns, as they say, and, and put himself back at the front. And it really looks like he's on his way to his first Lucas Oil Promotocross Championship, which would be well deserved. So nice job by Ferrandis. Nice bounce back after a rough few weeks there in the middle. But he's showing resiliency, and that's what champions have to do. You have to be able to stand up when things are tough and go out and just win races, period. And and there will be another rider that I'm going to kind of come back around to that point too. Second on my list, J-Mart. Not a bad day. I mean, 3-3 is nothing to be upset about. Pretty strong. It's just when you're up against Dylan Ferrandis and he is going to have a day like he did yesterday, you've you've got to be at your best. And J-Mart just simply wasn't at his best. He was fine. Again, like I said, no big deal. 3-3, it's solid, but you need to be more than solid right now. You need to be exceptional if you're going to win this this 250 championship. That's just all there is to it. And that's not, I don't want that to seem like a negative take because it's not at all. Winning a motocross championship, you have to be awesome. Like that, it's, it's very simple, right? It It's, doesn't come down to being just good and solid. It comes down to being the absolute best guy in the class most years. And we just didn't see that from Jmart yesterday. But again, I appreciate his attitude towards this because when he got up on the podium, especially after the first moto, he basically just said, listen, I wasn't good enough. I need to be better than that. Ferrandis was the fastest guy. And if I want to win, it's going to take more than that. And I love that approach. I love 
brutal honesty when it comes to assessing your own performance. What more can you ask for from an athlete than that? If they know, and they're not making excuses, they're not putting the blame on somebody else. They're putting the blame squarely on themselves. That says a lot to me. I really appreciate that, um, people coming from that angle. I know how hard that can be at times for an athlete like myself, when you're slow, like, you know, deep down, but to go publicly on television and basically state that, 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 uh, that resonates with me. So good job for J Mart, even on a kind of a, I don't want to say a down day, but when you lose, you know, 10 points to the guy you're trying to battle for the championship, it certainly isn't a positive day. I guess Justin Cooper had an okay day and, and I, I really don't know what to make of Justin Cooper's season. He definitely came in injured. And I think we're just seeing what happens when you do come in injured. He wasn't ready. He had that boxer's fracture. So that impeded his training. It impeded his riding. Lots of things happen over the course of a season negatively when you don't put in all the effort that you're used to. And I know just from talking to Will Hahn in the past that, that he works very, very hard. But when you can't work very hard, when you're not able to do the riding and the training that, that is necessary for that, it's going to show up on race day. And I, I think that's just what we've seen. You know, that first moto at Spring Creek for Justin Cooper was pretty rough. But then he bounces back for, uh, for this weekend and, and a pretty solid day. His lap times were good. Motos were much better. His starts came around. So I think really if you're Justin Cooper, you just try to put in the best final two races you can. He signed a new contract with Monster Star Yamaha, which I'm sure was lucrative for him because make no mistake, going into 2021, he is going to be a championship contender. He might even be the championship favorite for a lot of people. And if he's prepared, I can certainly understand why. So for you just want to have the, the best two races, you want to exit the season healthy, which is really, really important because with a late finish like this, you don't have time to overcome any injury. You cannot, well, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it if you get hurt, but you really don't want to have any lingering injury or serious injury at these final two rounds. That's going to slow up your progress and your off season testing and all your preparation, which is critical that all of that work in the next few months, once the season ends is what dictates your success for 2021. So again, better day for Justin Cooper. He has to be optimistic leaving a day like that. And he's just going to try to build from it and look to 2021 for serious championship contention. Jet Lawrence solid, right? That first moto was crazy. Good. I, I was really impressed by his ability to kind of look back, see RJ Hampshire and Jeremy Martin back there and then kind of take back off. Like they, they really didn't or weren't able to assert their superiority over him, you know, experience wise. And, and if there was any fitness questions, I was wondering about that because when they caught back up to jet with like five minutes to go, five minutes plus two laps to go, I was like, Oh man, this is uh this is a pretty big ask of jet being this young with those two that are really good in the sand and really fit to have to step up and pick his pace back up and pull back away. And that's exactly what he did. So very, very impressive ride by jet Lawrence. Sakamoto wasn't quite as good. I think he got with sixth maybe, uh, but still a really good day on a track where I kind of thought he would do good. He's, he rides the sand. Well, these, these conditions are what he practices in, what he practiced in, in Europe when he was growing up for those couple years while his, his brother Hunter was racing the uh, MX2 class in Europe and jet himself was racing MX250. So it makes sense that he would ride well, but Obviously, most of the industry and most fans see the writing on the wall that Jet Lawrence is going to be a superstar in this sport. 
and he's just getting warmed up. You know, he just turned 17 years old, and, I mean, he's out there battling for podiums already. So great job by him, and the future is very, 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 very bright for that kid. RJ Hampshire, what a crash. I mean, unreal. How do you possibly see that coming, right? I don't know if there was a bike issue. Like, you know, the the announcers, Grant Langston and Jason Wygant, were, were kind of wondering if something happened with the bike that caused that. I think he probably just drug a foot peg on the takeoff. Um, I don't think, you know, with, with him able to ride the bike off, he wasn't making any body language type signals that the bike had cut out on him or, or something like that, which is what I was kind of looking for. Typically, if, if the bike would have seized or missed a gear or something, he would have made some sort of motion or there would have been some sort of reaction, in my opinion, that it was not his fault. So I think he just, he hit a kicker, drug a foot peg off the face of the jump, something that just happens when you're riding. But he's very, very fortunate to not be hurt very badly. And he was already hurt coming in. He had a hurt hip and that's coming off of ACL surgery. So he's really banged up right now. I thought it said a lot for him to come back in that second moto and do anything because that was a big, big get off. And he's very lucky. He didn't leave uh, WW ranch in a hospital. So happy to see RJ healthy. And, you know, he's third in the championship or was, I, I should look at that, I guess, but he was third in the championship going into that. So there's still a lot to race for, for him, but still a solid day, even, even in the midst of a huge crash. And I think for RJ, he just has to get out of this season somewhat healthy because much like Justin Cooper, I think he has his eyes set on, on a title run in 2021. And the number one thing that can derail a title run is getting hurt right now. So, uh, hopefully he just has a healthy two weeks to finish off this series. Maybe he can stay third in the championship and, uh, have a productive off season down with, uh, Baker's factory guys, Alex Martin, not bad, right? It was okay. Crash with his brother, which sucks. If you're going to crash with anybody on the racetrack, ideally, it's not going to be with, with your brother. But honestly, I kind of expected more from Amart. I really did. Now with Steve Mathis as the conductor of the troll train, he was expecting more too. And, and when you really look at the conditions, Amart rides the sand very well. He is very, very fit. They work very hard, he and his brother. So on a hot day in the sand on a track like that, you would think he would be right in the podium mix, you know, battling it out with Jet. And I don't know if he had the pace to go with Ferrandis. That's that's a big ask. But with the other guys, for sure. And he just was a touch off. You know, he, he wasn't bad, for sure. But he just didn't quite have that extra 1% or 2% that it was going to take to put him on the podium on Saturday. So those are kind of your contenders on Saturday. But again, for the championship, it's all horrendous at this point. Maybe something happens, right? You, you can never say it's over or anything like that. It's only 13 points, but you've got to love the way it's going for Dylan Ferrandez because there were some serious questions being asked of him leaving Redbud. Going into Spring Creek, I was very bullish on Jeremy Martin's chances. I thought things were trending his way. I liked the way he was riding. I liked the way he was getting good starts. He was going into his home race with another very good track for him lined up right behind that. And all those things, Dylan Ferrandis was able to negate and offset and win two races in a row going 1-1-1-1. There's not much more than you that you can do for yourself in a championship than that. So great job by Dylan. Tough couple races for Jeremy Martin. But again, it's 13 points. One first turn crash and everything looks different.
It's just how this series goes, right? That's why they dropped the gate. If it was just about who we thought was the best guy, they would just hand out the trophies at the end of the season. They wouldn't actually have the races. So I will be at the next round in Colorado. Pretty excited for that. It's easily one of the best rounds of the series. It was a track that I struggled with, even though I I had some really good motos there. Uh, I, I never really felt comfortable, but as far as a spectator and going to enjoy the event, this one is right up there. It's, it's actually incredible. Facilities are great. Viewing is great. It's right in, you know, right outside of downtown Denver. It's convenient to everything. Uh, there are not many negative aspects to this Thunder Valley event. So I look forward to that. I want to talk to you a little bit about Pirelli tires. Listen, that scoop tire is something else. Uh, I, we kind of thought it would get Alex Martin to the front. He has been getting pretty good starts, but that tire is simply awesome. Those guys raced MXGP at Mantova using that tire today. And guess what? They won again, as they always do. Both in the MXGP class and MX2, Pirelli got a double victory at Mantova. I'm sure they were using that scoop tire that works so well, but they have three different tire ranges for that Scorpion tire. Go check them out. Pretty awesome stuff that they're doing. They're winning races, which is what it's all about. And it's crazy. You know, the funniest thing to me about Pirelli is that, you know, I've traveled the world. I've been doing this this global thing for 20 plus years now. And when you go, you know, in the U.S., you know, Dunlop is very strong and we've all seen that. But if you go to Europe, Pirelli dominates everything. And, and I, I think it's funny that there's this huge disconnect. And that's really what I've been working with Pirelli on is trying to get people up to speed and educated on Pirelli tires in the U.S. Because if you went and told somebody in Europe that Pirelli is not, you know, the the first choice or the first name in tires that, that off-road thinks of here, they would laugh at you because they are absolutely the front runner in Europe. So that's really where the education comes in and, and getting the word out, which is why they're involved with podcasts like this. But go check out their tires. You can get the Scorpion MX Soft, the Scorpion MX32 Mid Soft, or the Scorpion MX32 Mid Hard, depending on what your terrain is. So thanks to Pirelli for being on board. Love working with companies that I've actually used and been a part of for a long time, and Pirelli certainly fits that bill. Now jumping into the 450s a little bit, what a day for Zach Osborne. Seriously. I was texting. We have a group text with Zach in it. I was texting it during the moto, which is pretty normal. But I was so amazed at the way he was riding, his resilience and that, well, the first moto I was texting because his charge to the front out of nowhere, it seemed like somebody just waved a flag and said, okay, Zach, it's time to go now. And he charged the front out of nowhere and dropped like three seconds a lap off his lap times. And then the second moto, his ability to hold off Tomac and pick his pace up and fight back when it seems like nobody can do that to Tomac, you know, when he gets into that zone He just kind of absorbs everybody in his path and Zacco wasn't having it. He fought back and got it done. So we we were all texting him and and obviously Weege and Mathis, as they do, we're giving him a hard time and saying, oh man, Tomac just ran out of time and yada, yada, which is all in good fun. And it's really a good time to be had by all of us, but we're all super happy for Zach and just an incredible ride. And yeah, I mean, he, he absolutely earned it. He had a really rough day at spring Creek and bounced back with, with a win. That's really what he needed to do when everything was looking like it was trending towards Adam Cincerillo and it was the buzz and the talk and all that Zach had to, it had to be in the back of your mind. You know, when you're laying in bed and 
you know, I'm, his wife falls asleep or whatever, and he's still staring at the ceiling. That's probably what's in his brain is, man, I got to I gotta get this done. I've got to turn this momentum around. I can't screw up. I can't have another bad weekend or it's really going to be bad. And all that weighs on you, you know, whether you want it to or not, subconsciously, it's there. That pressure is there and it builds. And I think Zach was pretty honest about that. I, I, I just, in the conversations I've heard him have in the media and on TV, he was very good about blowing it off, but I think he also acknowledged a bit that it would have been very easy to let that get the best of him. And you have to be mentally strong. And I'll say another thing too. I think that's one of Alden Baker's most uh, powerful tools. And that's one of the reasons that these guys spend big dollars to be a part of Alden Baker's program is for that, that mental strength and that ability to bounce back and be resilient and have that championship mindset, which is such a cliche, which I hate, but I think there's something to it. I hate using it all the time, but in situations like that, where you have to find everything inside you to fight back, because it seems like the world and all the momentum of the world is turned against you, you know, and it's not really that that's not really the truth, but it seems that way. You get a flat tire, a flat front tire. How many times do factory riders get a flat front tire on a track like Spring Creek? Okay, if you're at Unadilla, maybe, you know, and, and probably would have run a moose front. But at Spring Creek, nobody gets flat tires. So that's a really tough thing to have happen when you have this huge championship lead. And he had to just be wondering, you know, why me? Why do I have to get a flat front tire at that such a critical juncture of the series? But these things happen. Motorcycles break. So good job by Zach for bouncing back. I want to talk to you a little bit about Blenzol Oils. Blenzol is a name that I'm sure you've heard, but they really kind of, I don't want to say fell out of favor because that's not true, but they, they kind of fell out of the limelight and they weren't, you know, the previous owners of Blenzol weren't doing a great job of promoting the brand anymore. And my friend David Schloss saw an opportunity to bring Blenzol Oils back to the forefront. And that's what he's been doing. He's been he obviously sponsors the industry seating podcast, but he sponsors Michael Lessie. He sponsors all these races. He was a lot of the things that he had planned got canceled, which sucks because of COVID-19, but you're going to see more and more and more coming from the Blenzol brand. So go check out all of the things they have to offer at blenzol.com. Go to at Blenzol on their Instagram and check it out too. And you can get 10% off mixed pint cases. They have all kinds of deals going on over there and just a great group of people that have great products that maybe you're not as familiar with, especially if you're younger, because they, they really are an established brand going back decades, but it's kind of their time to get back into the mix now. So I love being a part of comeback stories like that. And Blenzol Oil is here to stay. Jumping into AC, as we kind of mentioned, good ride by him. I mean, he did everything you could ask for super fast great starts. He just didn't quite have that extra 1% at the end. He gets into that crash with Muscan. We don't really know how that second moto would have played out. But personally, when I see how strong Zach was at the end of the first moto, and then the way he fought off Tomac at the end of the second moto, I have a hard time believing that AC was going to beat him straight up in that second moto. Now that's an arguable point. I have no way to prove that, nor does anybody else on the other side but that's just how it goes, right? I, I know what I saw in the first moto and I could see it going the second moto and you see, you know, the strength that Osborne showed. And I just think that's kind of the last frontier for AC is he will get stronger. You know, Zach is what? 31 years old or whatever. 
that's, that's a lot of years of building endurance and getting stronger and knowing your body and developing Adam Cincerillo is still growing. I mean, he's what, 22 or something. He's still developing all the muscles that Zach Osborne, you know, he's a, he's a fully grown man. And, and I don't want to say Adam Cincerillo is a kid because that's not how I mean it, but I'm sure you guys can understand the point that Adam is still developing. This is his first year racing a 450 ever. And Zach's been doing it for a very long time. Well, he's been racing for a very long time globally. This is, you know, what is second full year racing the 450 outdoors, but he has a lot of experience. And I listen, I can remember racing Zach Osborne on a 450 in 2007. Okay. It was a one-off deal for Zach. You know, that that's for sure. But 2007, think about that. I was racing against Zach on a 450. He showed up and just raced a 450 randomly. So he has a ton of experience. He knows what to do. And he was battling for moto wins in this very class last year. But as far as AC goes, I, you know, even if he doesn't win this championship, you know, he's what, 29 down now. It's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with his season. It's been phenomenal. He's won two overalls. He's certainly proven himself to be a championship contender and he's proven everybody, right. Everybody that's taken a chance on him and, and, you know, Cowie re-signed him for two years and all these people that, you know, Kawasaki's invested millions of dollars into him over a decade. They're getting proven right. And he is absolutely going to be a superstar in this sport for a very long time. And I'm very happy for Adam. I think Zach is going to win this championship and I think it will be deserved. I think he's been the best rider over the longest period, but I don't think that's any reason for Adam to be bummed at all. I think he should be even more motivated and encouraged by his improvement and his mental fortitude and the way he's bounced back from adversity several times this year, you know, his big, huge crash at Glendale, his huge crash at Loretta's. Um, but that, that's also one way for him to get a lot better too, right? If you're looking at what has kept Adam Cincerillo from winning championships in 2020, you can point directly to crashes and opportunities that were not capitalized on. And I just mentioned two of them. So that's one thing that I'm sure that Nick way will be working with Adam Cincerillo on for 2021 is we just can't have those big crashes. And that's easy to say. I don't, I don't even know the recipe for eliminating those other than just maturity. And you have to take a deep breath. When, when you get those opportunities, you're running out front like Loretta's, you have to just slow your heart rate down and think a little bit. Don't go crazy trying to turn in the fastest lap of your life to run away. Believe in yourself that you're good enough to ride within yourself and win the race. And I, that just comes with maturity and age and all the things that he's currently developing. But again, it is coming and make no mistake, Adam Cincerello is going to be a champion in this class. I would argue that against anybody. If anybody wants to say, oh, he crashed too much, I, that's fine. I believe, uh, I believe in Adam Cincerello. I'm going to talk to you about ProGlow. They're the newest sponsor to the Industry Seating Podcast. Queen bikes just go faster. And the line of new ProGlow Power Sports Cleaning Solutions will get your equipment looking sharp in no time. Try the degreaser for those greasy, grimy surfaces, and the Power Sports Wash can take off just about anything you can throw at it. I use it, and so should you. I actually used it this morning. Washed my Yamaha FC09 street bike, which, when you talk about grimy stuff, street grime is gross. It actually worked really, really well, so thank you to them for that. Use the code MOTO15. To get 15% off your order at www.goproglow.com. And one thing with that, like most people use like Simple Green or whatever. 
why don't you use something that's specifically built for power sports? I think that's a, a really cool angle to take and a, and a reason to buy something like ProGlow versus something you would get at your local grocery store. So go check out ProGlow at goproglow.com. I also want to thank Works Connection, worksconnection.com, at Works Connection on their Instagram. You guys want to get a good start? If you race, that's a pretty important part of the race. I, I feel safe saying that. Why don't you go get a pro launch start device works connection monster star yamaha has them they get good pretty good starts if you haven't noticed jjr suzuki you ever seen the starts that joey savachi and freddie norn get on a suzuki which say what you want the suzukis are a little bit underpowered stock i i would have ridden them i was there in japan at the factory when they unveiled them they are down a little bit on power but the works connection pro launch start devices are still getting those bikes out front Chase Sexton was ripping hole shots with a pro launch start device this weekend. So why don't you jump on board, go to worksconnection.com, go to at works connection and get one today. Don't forget to check out the, the hour meters too. If you get a brand new bike, Honda just launched that 21 at their intro. If you're going to get one, go get a, an hour meter so you can keep your bike serviced, get keep everything exactly within spec that you need to with that tack hour meter. I want to thank Plum Creek funding as well. I'm actually going to go get to see Zach Morris. This weekend, he lives in the Denver area. Listen, these things aren't changing. The Fed chairman came out. They've been having meetings like crazy on all the interest rates. If you are in a position to buy a house, maybe you have a house, you need to call Zach Morris and see what the best situation is for you. Now, I would tell you that regardless of whether Zach sponsored this podcast or not, he's my buddy and I want to make sure that any business there is to be had, I steer towards him as much as possible. But... If you're listening to this podcast, that means you're awesome. And that means I like you already. I want you to save as much money as possible. Times like this do not come along very often. And that's coming from someone who's lost a ton of money in the real estate market. I had three houses in the real estate crash of 2008. How do you think that went? I'll give you a hint. Not very well. So what do you need to do? You need to call Zach Morris. 720-212-4685 and see how you can refinance your house or if you're going to buy one, get the best rate possible. Now, full disclosure, I remember my mortgage rate in 2006, I bought a house and it was a rental property and my mortgage rate was like eight and a half percent. Just crazy talk. I was an idiot. I didn't know enough. And that's what I want you to avoid is, is learning about it and finding the best situation because Okay, let's do the math real quick. I had a, a mortgage, and we, it, we don't need to talk about dollars, but it was an 8.5% mortgage, okay? It was, that was the uh, the interest rate. You can get under 3% right now. You can get like 275 maybe a little worse than that, but under 3%, okay? That's so much money. Let's say the average house costs three hundred grand, or let's say you're going to finance $300,000. Now, you could save let's say 5%, be conservative, 5% on 300 grand, that's $15,000 a year you're going to save. That's a lot of money. That's crazy. So just think about that and start putting that into your own situation. There's a lot of money to be saved in it. This is, I don't want to say it's free because there are closing costs, but you start doing the math on how much money you can save. Or if you're going to go buy one, if you're in a position to, you have to do, well, they have to, you really should consider buying something in the next year or two. And I'm absolutely doing everything in my power to prepare myself to go buy something right now because I'm going to practice what I preach. So check out Plum Creek funding, 
at Plum Creek Funding on Instagram. And I gave you the cell phone if you want to back up to give Zach a call. Or if you're at Thunder Valley, come hang out. Come talk to him. I'll introduce you. Premier Vapor Blasting. Premier Vapor Blasting was voted your number one vapor blasting provider. It's the safest method in surface restoration. It does not compromise product integrity like other traditional methods. It's not only safe on items like rubber and plastic, but it's gentle enough to clean radiators without damaging the fins. What does that mean, right? You can get something super clean if you're restoring a bike or if it's your race bike, you want to get that thing super sick during the winter. Maybe you're not going to be able to ride it. Send off your parts to Premier Vapor Blasting. Get that thing dialed. It's going to be so clean. You're going to want to put it in your living room. And on a personal note, that's what I want to do. I'm going to get a, a replica bike built and I'm going to put it in here as furniture. I think that's going to be pretty awesome. So I will be utilizing the Premier Vapor Blasting myself. So go to premiervaporblasting.com. And if you mention the district seating podcast, you get a 25% discount and you go to at Premier Vapor Blasting on Instagram as well. 612 suspension. Ronnie was at a golf tournament all day with his kid today and he's texting our group text nonstop about how great his kid is at golf, which is cool. I get it. I, I understand being proud of your kid. But as far as this goes, if you have a motorcycle, if you have a UTV, if you have an ATV, adventure touring, motocross, street bike, whatever the case may be, I can almost guarantee you that race tech powered by 612 suspension can help reach out to Ronnie at 612 suspension. It's S I X the number one, two suspension.com or at S I X number one, two suspension on Instagram and see how he can help you get your oil changed, get race tech revalve, get that thing dialed. It's so funny because I talk to people sometimes and if you're just getting into the sport or you don't know any better, silly things like checking your sag, you're like, what? but it can make a huge difference. Getting your oil changed is a huge part of having your bike work correctly. Guys that race the nationals, they get their oil changed every single weekend. Like for every race, they get a complete oil change and, and rebuild. That's normal. That's because the stress that's put on that oil, it's boiling over. The oil is you lose performance. The viscosity breaks down. So how long has it been since you've had your oil changed? Think about that. So reach out to Ronnie at 612 Suspension. Thanks for being a part of this podcast as well, Ronnie. You are you are awesome, and your kid, is, I'm sure, is awesome at golf. I also want to thank Fast Foundry. Now, Fast Foundry is a tech solutions company. Whether you have an established business or a startup, you probably need to automate some, some, right? You need to get more efficient. That's what everybody's doing in 2020. Things are hard. Times are tough. You got to get more efficient. Your business has to be at its fighting weight. You need to be doing everything right because things are harder than ever. Well, guess what? Fast Foundry can help. They work with Fortune 500 companies. I'm sure they can do something for you. They've worked with companies like HP, Mountain Dew, Intel. Why don't you just give them a call and see if they have ideas? Because right now, the companies I talk to, they're just trying to get by. And if there's a way to make your company better, doesn't that mean getting by is going to be a little bit easier? So check out fastfoundry.com, reach out, ask for Robert and see what they can do for you today. They are a full on moto company. Maybe their business is not necessarily moto related, but they are moto people, which makes them awesome. And connecting moto people with moto people across industries is a great way to, uh, yeah, just network. And you know, you're dealing with good people. That's the best part, right? When you're, when you're dealing with moto people, you know, you're getting the best people on earth. And, and I truly believe that I've been around the sport my whole life. 
And if I'm working with somebody on a business level and I know they ride or have something to do with moto, my trust level goes way up. I've been burned by people in moto before, but I, for whatever reason, if you're into moto, it just seems to attract the right kind of people that you want to work with. So check out fast foundry. And I absolutely vouch for them. If you want to give them a call to 208-991-3320 again, ask for Robert. Now moving back into the four fifties. Thank you all for listening to those sponsors. Let's jump on to the Eli Tomac train. Not a bad day. He actually showed, showed signs of life in that second 450 moto, but it really seemed like it was more the conditions. You know, listen, Eli Tomac's never going to be accused of being out of shape. And it came down to more of a fitness test than it did a full speed test for this race. And I think that really helped Eli kind of get back on form. Now we'll see if he can carry that into Colorado. It's a track he should ride very well. It's only five hours or so from his house in Cortez in Southern Colorado. And he's, he's had a pretty good run at this Thunder Valley track. He did have that huge injury in 2015, but he was well on his way to winning that day also. But, I, you know, the championship-wise, is pretty much over for Tomac. So I think really all you can do is just try to assert yourself and build some optimism momentum going into the, you know, the off-season, off-season training and all those things. So you come into 2021 ready to win or defend your 2020 Supercross championship. I was happy to see him back because I think the series is better. With Tomac at the front, he's obviously the three-time defending champ. So to have the, a star on the podium like that is is important. He's got the number one plate for a reason. But I thought it was pretty crazy to see Osborne be able to fight him off. Not many people have ever been able to do that when Tomac enters that late moto charge mode. And I, to be fair, if it had been another lap or two, I don't know how much more Osborne could hold him, but it doesn't matter. That's it's 30 minutes plus two laps. So I'm sure, and Zach made mention, he was kind of gauging his energy level and saving it to be able to go full out in the last couple laps. So fair play to Zach. Great job and great ride by Tomac way to get back into the mix and show some signs of life. I'm sure he's going to be a little bummed, you know, when he is sitting around in a month from now and the series is over and he's not your champion, he's probably going to be a little disappointed, but maybe that's going to be a real, a little reality check and get him, get the fire stoked back up for 2021. Because I think he just took a deep breath after Supercross, that baby, getting that Supercross championship off his back. And I think this will be something that says, man, I, I want to win again. This sucks. I don't like losing. I don't like, you know, the feeling of not being the champion in this class. So cool to see somebody else up there, but it's good. I, I like seeing Tomac bounce back a little bit and, uh, so a little variety on the podium. Chase Sexton, he's going to be in there eventually. You know, he he rode really, really well. But again, I kind of view him in the same um, thought process as Adam Cincerillo, where he is, he's still developing, right? He's still got a, I want to say the, you know, old man strength, but that's kind of what Osborne and these guys have because they've been working on their craft for so long. And he will get there. He will absolutely get there. He's going to be stronger. He's going to get better. He's going to learn where his weaknesses were in this series, and he will fix those. And I think the future is very bright in this 450 class because you have kids like Adam Cincerillo and Chase Sexton who are very young. You know, they're in their early 20s. I think Chase Sexton just turned 20. 20? Did he just turn 20? These guys are they're kids, right? And they're racing against the best in, the say, the world, but the best that America has to offer right now. And they have nothing but improvement in front of them. So if you're Chase Sexton, keep your head up. I'm sure he 
doesn't need me to tell him that, but uh, he sure is impressive in this this rookie 450 season. Justin Barsha, pretty tough break there with a crash, and then uh, obviously you saw the front of the bike kind of come apart, and he had to race back to the pits. The question I had, and it was a fair question I heard posed, should he have been penalized for basically cutting the whole track to get to the mechanics area? Now, I could only see what was they showed on the NBC Sports Gold app, but he certainly cut a lot of the track off. I don't know, you know, championship wise, it's not going to matter. But if you're a rider like Isaac Teasdale or somebody that got passed in that moto by Justin Barsha, you're probably not thrilled because there, because there is no way that Barsha would have been able to catch him at the end of that race if he didn't cut all that track off. So there, there's a case to be made there. I, it's not going to go anywhere. It's long since done, but I thought it was an interesting question moving forward, what if that had been for the championship? What if that had been Zach Osborne in that scenario or Adam Cincerillo in that scenario? Maybe they had taken, would have taken another look at it. And I've read the letter of the rule. It basically says you have to come on in the safest spot. I don't know that he necessarily did that because you can go back and watch. He was nowhere near the track. He was off the side and racing around it as fast as possible. So again, it doesn't matter big picture, uh, but just definitely an interesting dynamic that we should probably get a straight answer on because maybe it could matter championship wise down the line. Max Anstey, pretty good day. That second moto was good, right? Fourth place kind of overshadowed a little bit by the Tomac Osborne battle, but I like to see Anstey get in there because he is an MXGP staple that came over, jumped on a privateer Suzuki after being on the ice one factory Husqvarna for years. And he's riding pretty well. You know, he had that Loretta Lynn's moto where he was up at the front and then this moto is pretty damn good too. And we knew he was going to be good on this track. You know, I had been preaching it. Other people have been mentioning it too. The sand is really where he shines. I was at Lomo last year where he won a moto, crashed in the moto, and still won the moto, passing the likes of guys like Tim Geiser. So it wasn't, you know, unexpected to see him be on pace in this race. But again, for a guy that's on a privateer team, that Twisted T, HEP, Suzuki, they need all the press they can get. They need good results to make this happen, to get more sponsorship and actually be able to pay riders and have funding for teams. I, I know how much of a challenge that is for privateer teams. So I was happy to see those guys get some success after all the hard work. Now, championship wise, this is Zach's to lose. He's 29 points up, 30 over Marvin, 29 over AC. And this is, goes right back to where we were leaving Redbud. So anything could happen. He could have a bad day in Colorado. But what I keep coming back to is keeping the status quo. And he did not do that at Spring Creek. He, he did the opposite of that Spring Creek. He gave up a ton of points. He had a bike issue. Everything went wrong, seemingly. But then he went into Florida and erased that mistake. He absolutely erased the mistake because if you think about it, he was 26 ahead of Marvin going into Spring Creek. Had this horrible day. It's 15 points, momentum swinging, and then he goes out, wins, and turns the tide, and now he's 29 back up. And yeah, okay, Marvin's 30 down in NAC, a little bit of change there, I get it. But really, when you're just looking at it from you know a 1,000-yard glance, he just eradicated all of the bad that happened at Spring Creek. All of that negative energy and all the, the worry that was created and the speculation about AC coming and, and stealing this title, all, all that kind of got wiped away at WW Ranch. So you just have to be over the moon if you're Osborne. 
you just have to be so relieved. And I'm sure he's still nervous, right? When you're winning a championship, and, and I've only done it in smaller series like German Supercross and things like that, but it's all you think about all the time. It's just on your mind. Even when you're doing something else, you're, you know, having dinner or doing whatever, it's still in the back of your mind and there's, and there's nothing you can really do about it. It's just always kind of there. Even if you're thinking about something else, it distracts you a little bit because you're thinking about this championship and it's just nerves in the back of your mind. So I'm sure WW Ranch went a long way to alleviate some of that concern. Now he's just got to go finish. And he is a champion. He's won two Supercross championships and a 250 uh, Lucas Oil Promotercross championship. So he is no stranger to this feeling. But I'm sure he will be very, very excited to get this thing done and over with because winning a 450 pro motocross championship is, is nothing to sneeze at. It's one of the most, you know, um, let's say lucrative. That's not the word I'm looking for. Prestigious championships on earth, right? Supercross 450 Lucas Oil pro motocross, and then your MXGP championship. Those are the, those are the big three for, you know, off-road motorcycle racing. So I'm cheering for Zach. He obviously wears fly racing. One of the sponsors of this podcast who I work for. So of course I'm biased, but on a personal level, Zach is such a great person and makes it so easy to cheer for him that I will be very excited to see him win this thing if he can pull it off. Because again, he's he's 31. You know, he just turned 31 the other day. So you don't know how many chances you're going to get at this, if any more, right? Everything's kind of gone right for him other than Spring Creek this season. And this may be his real shot at it. So you've got to make the most of it. Kids like Adam Cincerillo, they're going to be around for a long time. If, if you think he's never going to get another run at it, I would love to argue that point. So I will be cheering for Zach Osborne. Make no mistake about that. Two left. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I actually had fun doing this. Some days it's tough, right? Everybody's life is more difficult some Sundays than others. Today I really enjoyed it. I really had a good time watching the race yesterday. And I knew this podcast would be a good one because there was a lot to talk about. And the racing was very interesting. Two more to go. Once the series is over, I will transition back into a lot of question-based podcasts and we'll try some different things. I am still planning on getting better equipment, more equipment so we can bring in some guests. I know I know that's been requested a few times and I promise you that's going to happen. It is certainly in my plans. I also am going to get a phone line installed for this podcast and equipment to be able to take live calls. That's in my plans for 2021. I need to work that out with... Uh, you know, all the great sponsors of this podcast, but that's something I definitely want to do. So I will have a set time. That's going to be my idea. I will have a set time for when I'm going to record these on Sunday. And then you guys will be able to call in and I'll record right then. That's a pretty cool idea, right? So I I won't have the, the podcast broadcasted live, but we will record the questions at a set time. So that's what I'm, those are some of the things I'm working on. Some of the things you can look forward to on the Industry Seating Podcast. Thanks again. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Sunday.